Ever since COVID-19 was declared a public health event of international concern on January 30th, 2020, and subsequently declared a pandemic by WHO on March 11th, 2020, a topic that quickly followed was the speed at which the virus was mutating. The reality is that mutations are a normal part of the life cycle in microorganisms and infectious agents such as viruses. Nonetheless, there is a lot of public concern and uncertainty about these mutations and the global impact they will have. Let's examine the topic of viral mutations and discuss some of the broader social implications. This is the Public Health Insight Podcast. My name is Will, your host for this episode, and I am here with co-hosts LaShawn, Gordon, and Sully. Before we move on, it is important to note that the views expressed in this podcast are our own and do not represent any of the organizations we work for or are affiliated with. What is a viral mutation? You know, as someone who comes from the social sciences, um, when I first heard about this phenomenon, it seemed like a very complex and complicated issue. And I thought maybe we can start by dissecting it and hopefully making it a much easier topic to, to springboard from. Before we even get into um, viral mutations specifically, let's talk a little bit more about um, like viruses. So viruses are not living in a sense that they can survive without a host. Um, viruses uh, need a cell in order to replicate and uh, produce other viral uh, particles and then you know transmit from host to host in that way based on um, a bunch of different pathways such as respiratory droplets uh, in terms of uh, COVID-19 and um, through other pathways as well. So that's that's one key way a virus is uh, different from a lot of microorganisms such as uh, parasites or even bacteria. Uh, for mutations specifically, um, when we think of mutation in a, in a broader sense, uh, we know that the genetic code is typically housed within uh, DNA, so deoxyribonucleic acid. Mm. Um, and this basically is a blueprint for how um, proteins will be made and the various functions um, that are encoded within the genes and genes are just a collection of um, or a segment of your DNA that codes for a specific protein. So mutations um, are basically um, changes to the sequence of, of DNA or genetic material. In the case of viruses there are RNA viruses so you can have mutations in RNA as well. Um, so mutations in generally speaking are changes to the sequence of a genetic code uh, and this can in most scenarios this um, does not lead to any functional changes in the way um, microorganisms or you know us humans um, behave or, or express ourselves in terms of, of genetics uh, but in rare cases there are mutations that um, in the case of viruses that can make them more transmittable or uh, more uh, virulent, which means uh, in the sense of how they can make us sick. So the severity of symptoms when we get infected. So just to make sure I understand this. So the virus in itself is not able to really you know, duplicate or anything, but on its own, right? Because it can't create these proteins. And so that's why it needs to enter into a cell and um, to actually kind of take almost take it over and you know, use its machinery if you will absolutely the virus is basically a minimalist in that it just only has what it needs to basically hijack a cell so the virus basically is saying if i can use the whole cell's equipped machinery like you described there's no need for me to have it carried around because the bigger the viruses are the more subject they'll be to like the elements and stuff like that so the smaller they are 
the, the more likely they'll, they'll be able to survive in different conditions. So they just prioritize being able to get inside a cell, replicate, find the next cell, transmit from person to person. And like we'll talk about later, um, viruses, it's not that the viruses want to mutate, it mutates just a natural thing. And based on how it interacts with the host, it might be uh, favorable to the virus or less favorable to the virus. Less favorable mutations also happen that put the virus at a disadvantage. But in a broader sense, those viruses that are at a disadvantage get selected out of the population because they get died and they're less likely to transmit. So the ones that are more, more likely to be transmitted are the ones that do enough damage, um, get a beneficial mutation for the virus, and then it can spread. Having a bit of an understanding of what is a virus, mm. as we move on to talking about a mutation, I noted that there it's that just when you're talking about mutation in itself, it isn't just one term, right? There's different types of mutations. There's, mm-hmm. there's different um, kind of forms of it. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe we can touch touch on that a bit and talk about some of the I guess the common forms of mutations and how they differ and what they kind of mean in simple terms. Right. So, like you mentioned, there are some common forms of mutations. Typically, um, there are insertions, deletions, and substitutions. When we're talking about insertions or additions, you're adding additional base pairs into the uh, genomic sequence. When we're talking about uh, deletions, we're actually removing one of the base pairs from that genetic sequence. And both of these are interesting because if you're adding or subtracting a base pair from a sequence, you can actually cause what is known as a a frame shift. And when this occurs, you can actually um, alter the sequence of the DNA such that when it's um, creating its uh, proteins, um, they they may become altered in a way, and it may be non-functional or um, different um, compared to the typical non-insertion or non-deletion uh, form. And then you also have a situation where you could have a substitution where base pairs are basically substituted. So you can have um, one base pair replacing another. And there's consequences to this because within DNA, there are a lot of redundancies. So a substitution from one base pair to another may very well um, cause no changes um, in terms of the functional protein that's created at the end of the day. But there's also the possibility that because of this substitution, you can have a protein that's created that was, um, you know, terminated too early. So it's non-functional or um, like I said, um, it could just do something completely that it's not supposed to. But due to the redundancy of the genetic code, most mutations um, like substitutions, um, they they don't cause too much variance, but there are cases where they can. And um, terms that that people often hear when they're talking about substitutions are missense mutations and nonsense mutations. Missense mutations are um, when you create a substitution and it actually codes for a different amino acid that gets incorporated into the protein. And a nonsense mutation is essentially a substitution that codes for an early termination codon, which essentially means that when the protein is being created from this RNA, it actually um, doesn't um, it, it's ba- it basically gets stopped yeah okay. and you gotta keep in mind that these mutations all these kinds of mutations they don't just happen once they happen at random all the time mm. everywhere and basically well if we're following the uh, theory of natural selection then the most favorable mutation 
for the virus from like the millions of mutations that affected it will survive mm. and that mutation that mutated virus will then spread and become either become well dangerous and uh, affect uh, populations at large and become a pandemic or uh, mm-hmm. or it just maybe stays similar to the yeah. original uh, virus it was in mm, interesting yeah keep in mind as well and like Gordon mentioned this earlier um, from the perspective of a virus you're essentially trying to avoid or evade the immune system um, and by doing this you're trying to create more copies of yourself trying to spread to other hosts while you're infected in an individual and when you talk about these mutations this allows the virus the opportunity to you know trick the immune system and say hey you can't detect me and maybe this will help get this virus passed on from generation to generation because they have an altered characteristic that allows them to keep avoiding and keep um, getting ahead of a host's immune system. Okay, so I just want to make sure I understand this properly then. So a mutation is, it's something that just naturally happens to um, in in all viruses. Like it's not something that's controlled, right? Yeah. And and most, I guess... Even humans, any organism. Any uh, organism. Uh, mutations. Okay. okay. Yeah, yeah. And, and so when it, when it, a mutation occurs it doesn't necessarily always mean something bad is going to happen because like Vashon said sometimes you have these mutations where um, functionally it doesn't result in a change Mm. but um, I guess from I guess from the perspective of a virus though they want to make for them a a successful mutation would be something that would allow them to infect more cells and almost spread out further the reality is this is kind of a hypothetical situation so for every 100 mutations that SARS-CoV-2 for example might undergo I would I would imagine only one out of the 100 would give it a selective advantage usually mutations are not good the virus was doing very well before so it doesn't really need to do much more to have more damage because um, the virus wants to there's a fine balance of virus um, an effective virus wants to strike Mm -hmm. and that's uh, transmissibility um, which you know that a function of that is how infectious it is and how um, how sick it can make someone mm-hmm. because if you're sick you're able to to spread the virus but also you don't want super severe symptoms mm-hmm. because what happens when you have severe symptoms you stay home and you're not able to spread it to other people so the virus the best situation for the virus is almost like a asymptomatic highly infectious type of situation mm-hmm. where it can just spread to everybody and just replicate in the host yeah that's that's a key point too yeah and it's not even the fact that you get sick and you know you may not have symptoms if the virus doesn't want to completely kill uh, the host after like a two-hour infection because that would be not the ideal situation for spreading and propagating its um, descendants mm. the best viruses in terms of uh, propagation uh, aren't necessarily the most deadly viruses mm-hmm that's a, that's a very interesting point and it's it's not something you would intuitively think of mm-hmm. you, you, intuitively you think oh you know f- for a virus their ultimate goal is to be as deadly as possible but mm-hmm. i guess mm-hmm. i guess not right you want the virus wants to get to as many people as possible and mm-hmm. being the most deadly it kind of cu- cuts it short of that goal a case in point of that too it will is that in our genome like human genome we have remnants of viral dna and, and genetic code in our genome as well essentially those viruses have become dormant in our own genetic mm-hmm. code mm-hmm. and they don't get re-expressed as an actual viral particle anymore mm-hmm. so over time those viruses lose all their ability to um mutations can lead to a virus not being able to replicate too 
and it essentially gets embedded in our own genetic code and mm-hmm. we have a lot of those kind of genetic dead spaces as they call them mm-hmm. in in our genetic code as well so that's an interesting thing too mm-hmm. it's like a retirement plan <laughs> <laughs> retirement plan gordon lashawn sully and myself talk viruses how they're different from microorganisms and the concept of mutations my name is will your host for this episode Join us on the next as we explore the history of mutations in SARS-CoV-2, the virus causing COVID-19. We look forward to our discussion on the potential global impacts these new emerging variants may have on the ongoing pandemic. Thank you for listening to the Public Health Insight Podcast, your go-to space for informative conversations, inspiring community action. If you enjoy our content and would like to stay up to date, follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn. To learn more about our community initiatives and how you can support us, visit our website at thepublichealthinsight.com. Join the PHI community and let's make public health viral.